Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. I have quite the eclectic array of scares for you this week, my friends. One of them comes with a heavy trigger warning, so please listen for that. My Frankenstein series is continuing on Patreon, and some other non-Frankenstein bonus content is coming very soon as well. So remember, for as little as a dollar a month, you have access to all my bonus content if you join Patreon. So let's get on with the show. This first one reminds me so much of a Greek tragedy in a modern and horrific way. Our first story tonight is by author Holden Mars. I will link his Wattpad in the show notes because you're going to want to read more from him. This is Mortem. She haunts me ever since I saw her in that alley behind the bar. I can't get her out of my mind. Her song plays over and over. She was so beautiful, even bundled up as she was. She seemed to be comforting a dying homeless man. The way she held his head as he took his final breaths was so delicate. His haggard breathing simply slowed to a halt, his death rattle pairing perfectly with her lyrics. I tried to yell out to her as she left, but I simply couldn't get any words out. She left me cold and shivering in the alleyway, wondering who she was, an empty longing in my heart. I went home unsure of what I had seen. Was she even real? Was she an angel or just some horrifically beautiful imagining of mine? I wanted to tell someone about her. I called up a friend of mine, John. He wasn't supportive. He didn't understand what I was on about. Said I sounded like a loon, and it was crazy. I knew that. So I agreed with him. That I was crazy. I must have still been pretty drunk, I said, but it all seemed so real. Her pale skin, her blonde hair... A few weeks later, and I saw her again, this time at the aftermath of a robbery. I was on my way home from work. She was singing her song once more. That's how I found her. I was walking along the outside of the crowd when the angelic chords of her voice struck my ears. I pushed my way through to the front, and there I saw her. The light playing off her hair, her skin. She seemed to glow. She walked behind the stretcher, and if anyone else could see her, they weren't showing it. As she got inside the ambulance, I wanted to call out to her once more, but I still had my wits about me enough not to do that. As soon as the ambulance took off, I felt the emptiness once again. I called John again. I told him about her, that I'd seen her again. I told him about the empty feeling inside of me. He told me he was worried about me. I told him he shouldn't be. Then I hung up on him. He didn't believe me. I knew I wasn't going to be able to convince him. I was still trying to convince myself. No one else could see or hear her. But she seemed so real. Like I would feel her if I touched her. 
There had to be something wrong with me. Months went by without another sighting. I almost forgot about her, but her song still haunted my dreams, played a sinful lullaby as I slept. I rested uneasily. I was walking down the bridge one humid night, when suddenly I heard it. The song. I looked around, but I couldn't see her anywhere. Then I saw him. Him, standing on the edge. He looked so desperate, so scared. Then, he jumped. I rushed over to him when I saw him lean forwards, and then I saw her in the water, singing her siren song. Her arms looked so inviting as he plummeted headlong into them. He took her out when he hit the water. I and several other people gathered around the spot where he had jumped. I asked them if any of them had seen a woman in the water. Those that weren't dialing emergency services told me they hadn't seen anything. As soon as I got home, I began panicking. I was the only one that could see her. She couldn't be real. Yet, she seemed as real as you or me. I needed help. That's what I needed. I needed a doctor. So I went out and got one the next day. They admitted me to inpatient for a week. Told me it was to observe me. They gave me pills for psychosis, they said, and sent me on my way. I didn't see her anymore. The warmth turned cold again, and I still hadn't seen her. Still hadn't heard her deadly lullaby. The pills must have worked. I felt fine, aside from the numbing tiredness. John was talking to me again. Everything was going well, and then it happened. I was watching the news when I saw her. I heard her voice from the kitchen, and then I saw her on the screen. It was a clip from the war on terror overseas. She looked just as beautiful as I remembered her too. She was only there for a moment before they cut away from the disturbing images, but a moment was all I needed. I'd seen her again. I was losing my shit. I wanted to see her more. I wanted to hold her. The emptiness had returned in full force, even stronger than it had felt before. And then it hit me. I scrambled over my couch and made haste into the bathroom. I opened up the medicine cabinet and grabbed my pill bottle. I'd gotten the idea from the jumper. So, I opened it up and poured all my pills into my hand. It was a fresh bottle. Plenty of pills. I needed something to take them with, so back in the pills went. Into the kitchen, pour a glass, then back out with the pills. I shoveled them into my mouth. Their coatings dissolving and sticking to my tongue and the back of my mouth. I drank the water and felt them all slide down my throat. Then I waited. Nothing happened. Ten minutes passed and I began to feel like I'd made a horrible mistake. Then I heard her. Her sweet, sweet song touched my ears once more, and I saw her, 
come around the corner. She reached out to me, and I reached out to her. Our fingertips touched, and then... Blackness. Our next story tonight is the one I warned you about. If images of animals being killed or harmed in any way is a trigger for you, please skip ahead five minutes. Again, skip ahead five minutes. This terrifying tale is by Breezy Breeby, and it's called Kittens. A few years ago, I decided to teach an art class for the city. I had been a stay-at-home mom for several years and was unhappy in my marriage. I really wanted some adults to talk to, and since I had a degree in fine arts, I decided to teach a weekly class, so I would have an excuse to get out of the house for a little bit on the weekends. The classes were only eight weeks in length, but those two hours each Saturday did wonders for me. I had one student who was exceptional. He was a quiet kid, around 19. He was pale, and he had a very unpleasant demeanor. At first, I just assumed that he didn't like being instructed by a black woman. He always had a look of particular anger and revulsion when I spoke to him. But there was also no one he seemed to be favorable towards. He didn't speak much, but it always seemed like he was irritated. He never said anything rude, but people tended to avoid him because of the energy he put off. His skill was beyond impressive, though. He would always paint kittens in unique and unexpected ways. The kittens were so detailed that they were photorealistic. Humans were often done in a 1940s style of art with rosy cheeks and pinned curls. My particular favorite was of a small white girl holding a gray and white striped kitten sandwiched between two burger buns. And the kitten had its paws smushing the child's cherubic cheeks as she smiled with glee. The kitten's adorable face showed its playful intentions, and the entire piece just radiated warmth and joy. The fact that such a surly individual could create these pieces of such intense happiness was a wonder in itself. In general, I don't trust guys like him on principle, but his talent was undeniable. He had a piece of kittens playing with fruit in a fruit bowl that was so exceptional that I asked for his permission to enter it into a local art contest. The look he gave me was incredulous, but after a moment he lowered his eyes and shook his head yes. His piece took first place, the judges being wowed by his ability, and the painting was hung at the local post office with the award attached. A few weeks after the class had ended, my wife and I decided to take a weekend away together to work on our relationship. We came back feeling refreshed and much closer than we had in years. We decided to go home for a bit and unpack and settle in before going to pick up the kids for my mother's. When we arrived at the house, we saw that the front door was ajar, ever so slightly. We immediately went to a neighbor's house and called the police. We waited at the neighbor's house for the police to arrive. They went through and checked the house. No one was in the house, but it was clear that someone had been through it. Our dressers had been emptied, and it looked as though most of our clothes had been taken. A few had been left, ripped to shreds, all over the floor. All of our family pictures had been smashed. The police informed us that we could go inside and look to see if anything was missing. For the most part, they had just checked to make sure no one was inside, since no one had been injured. There probably wasn't going to be much of an an investigation. 
When we went in, we were heartbroken. It was a very violating feeling. Most of the officers left, but a couple of them stayed behind to take our statement and to document what had been destroyed and if any items had been stolen so we could report it to our insurance. After checking most of the house and not finding anything missing, I headed to the kitchen. I noticed a strange, pungent smell. I was upset but unsurprised that the officers hadn't mentioned anything about the smell or investigated it further. When I got to our kitchen counter, next to our refrigerator, I looked in our fruit bowl. At first I thought that all of our fruit had grown fuzzy mold. There were flies buzzing around it. After a minute, I realized that each piece of fruit had the entire skin of a small kitten wrapped around it. The kitten skins all looked strangely deflated and hadn't been totally cleaned. There were six in total. I ran out of the house and threw up on my lawn. Police went to the address that my former student had been registered under. The home was under the same name, but when they looked into it, it was the name of a 74-year-old man. When they got to the house, they found the man, dead, in an armchair in his living room. He had been repeatedly choked, judging by the bruises on his neck, until he had been asphyxiated. Shoved in his mouth was the skin of another kitten. They never found my student. Wow, what an episode so far. To end off the night, we have a story that isn't the type that I usually do, cerebral and dreamlike, and I know so many of you out there are fans of Lovecraft. This reminds me a little of his writing, Sans the Repulsive Racism. This is The Great by Harry Latour. To whoever finds this, this may be my only and last message. Unfortunately, finding this letter purports that you are sharing this living hell with me. I don't know where I'm going or how long I've been here. My name is... I don't remember. It will eventually come back to me. Let's start from the beginning. The beginning of this waking nightmare. I was heading back to work when I walked over a sidewalk grate. You know... The greats people walk over without giving a second thought. Suddenly, it gave way, and I fell through. Once I regained consciousness, I immediately felt the temperature. It's hot. Not terribly hot, but a bit uncomfortable. (laughs) I was in a large room with walls and the floor made of grayish large cinder blocks. The ceiling-mounted artificial lights flickered on and off, With a slight buzzing sound, I heard. I slowly sat up while attempting to clear my head. It smelled earthy. I noticed in one end of the room a square opening in the ceiling and in the opposite direction a large sealed stone door. I tried to stand, but my legs felt like jelly and almost collapsed to the ground. Kneeling to one knee, I closed my eyes to clear my head. Moments later, slowly standing and the fog lifted from within my head, 
I headed toward the hole. As I began my approach, cool air gently percolated from it. Beneath it, I looked up. I saw a long, dark, vertical tunnel with the other end a point of light leading to the outside world. The noises of the city sounded so distant, muffled, too high to jump to reach. I yelled while cupping my mouth with my hands. With each attempt, I screamed louder and louder until my voice was hoarse. No use. I'm too far down for anyone from above to hear. I might as well be an insect trying to get your attention. I retrieved my phone from my pocket and prepared to dial out. No signal, I muttered to myself. Must be too far down. While putting my phone away and looking for a way to get up, I noticed a dark slab slowly jetting out of the side of the wall from within the hole. The hope of escape was disappearing in front of my eyes. As I watched the opening seal, the cool breeze evaporated and was replaced by dry heat. I slumped down onto my knees on the floor and tears brimming in my eyes. I scanned the room for something to prevent the opening from closing. The room was completely empty. Sweat beads appeared on my brow. I wiped it away with my arm when something bumped into me. I whirled around and found nothing. Surprised, I noticed the sealed door open. Beyond the threshold, it was pitch black. As the temperature was rising, I was sweating profusely. While seeking my next course of action, I heard what sounded like a door clicking. The door was slowly closing. I ran for the door. While running, I could feel something trying to slow me down, as if I was running across molasses. I scanned the ground beneath my feet and expected to find hands or something. I saw nothing to impede my progress. Stay focused, I said to myself. With effort and determination, I reached the door, but to my horror, the door was closing at a faster rate. At the last minute, I leaped headfirst and slipped through as the door closed and sealed. I landed face first on the surface compiled of dirt. Fresh earth caked my face and lips. While I swiped the dirt away, I glanced around. The immediate surroundings engulfed in darkness. The air was stale, and a tinge of electricity filled the air. I rose and took out my cell phone. Using my cell phone, the light glowed in the darkness, but it was dull. I peeked toward the left and right. Darkness traveled for what seems like infinity, despite the light from the cell. Growing more and more uneasy, I forwarded the light ahead. From the left, I heard a sound of shuffling nearby and getting closer. I shone the light to the direction of the sound. Nothing but darkness and the nearby ground illuminated. My ears strained to hear the slightest sounds, and then I heard the shuffling and a deep, slow, soul-wrenching growl next to my left ear. With a cell phone in hand, I sprung up and headed deeper into the darkness. A sticky, skeletal hand grabbed my left ankle, causing me to trip forward. Instincts and fear took command. I gave a hard kick with my right foot to whatever that touched me. I shrieked and released. I raced toward the unknown. I did not care where I was going, but I wanted to put as much distance between that 
and me. I ran, ran and ran, while my lungs were ready to burst. When the thought to stop crossed my mind, I heard the growls and scuffle nearby. So I continued until I stumbled on something unobserved and tumbled downward as if I fell through a trap door. The phone dropped from my hand as I tumbled and eventually came to rest on my back on a cold stone floor. Exhaustion and feeling the pains and bruises swallowed me whole and I drifted off to unconsciousness. My eyes opened to reveal a corridor containing torches hanging on each side of the walls. The crackling of the flames reverberated throughout the corridor, like a concert hall. In between the torches are grayish metal doors with no handles or knobs, but each had small, closed, rectangular slits at midsection. On both sides, the doors and torches stretched to the far distance with no end in sight. As I sat up, grimacing from the aches and pains of the fall, lifting my head, dizziness and a fog descended. I closed my eyes momentarily to clear my head. Once I opened my eyes, my phone laid undamaged in front of me. I reached for the phone and placed it in my pocket. I was facing the opposite direction and noticed a seal opening up in the ceiling. I must have fallen through that, I thought to myself. Beyond the sealed ceiling notch was a tunnel aligned with rocks and wooden beams, similar to a mine. It was somewhat dark in there, dimly lit with small halogen lights decorating the walls. I rotated back and pondered my next move. Which way should I go? I muttered. As I walked, I noticed the flames from the torches behaving in a strange manner, as if someone is controlling them with invisible strings and making them act as one. Some of the slits on the doors were opened and others closed. Light and shadows shined through the openings. While walking, I came across a peculiar black door without a knob or handle, but a keyhole. Curiosity getting the better of me, I bent down and looked through the narrow keyhole. Cold air passed through it, chilling my eye. The room was barren except for a child wearing tattered, dirt-stained garments with dark green skin, standing in the middle of the room, facing the door. Thick, frizzy, long black hair hid the face. I felt the eyes gaze through the hair. Suddenly, the head jerked up. I blinked, and in an instant, the keyhole is all white. The thing was staring back. Startled, I fell backward and landed on my back. Suddenly, the door opened, slowly. I bounced up and ran. I ran as fast as I could. My running slowed when I felt there was enough distance between me and it. Time passed, and I continued down the hallway. A feeling of doom washed over as my eyes darted from side to side. Precipitously, from behind and distant... The faint sound of thunder is heard. I began to tire and decided to rest a moment. I slumped against the wall. Funny, after all this time here, I'm not hungry or thirsty, I thought. Sitting under a torch, the sound of the thunder was getting closer and louder. The roar sounded angry, evil, and 
ready to rip into living flesh. Panicked, I scanned the nearby area, looking for a safe harbor. The sound was not thunder, but a stampede. Nearby, there were two doors, one with an open slot, and the other was closed. I glimpsed down the hall. Something numerous and large was looming. I began to rise when my body protested, sinking to the ground. I crawled to the door with the opening. I pushed the door, realizing that it would only open if I pushed with much effort. I pushed harder and harder as the sound of the stampede was fast approaching, and a rush of epinephrine flowed through my bloodstream. I pushed the door open and crawled inside and slammed the door as the stampede thundered by. The sounds resonated through the entire room. I felt the thumping of many on the door as the door swelled. Closing my eyes, I pushed all my weight against the door as I silently prayed for the door to hold. I heard a voice whisper in my right ear to open my eyes. Against my better judgment, I complied. My temporary oasis was a room made of stone, dusty and old with no windows. A wooden ring hung from the ceiling center by a rusted chain link, filled by six lit thick blood red candles. It reminded me of a medieval dungeon. An odor filled the room. I rumpled my nose and sniffed the air. The smell of death and decay saturated the air. Standing in the center with their backs facing me were four hooded figures wearing midnight black colored robes. They were standing in front of a wooden table with someone on it. Mesmerized, I strained to see the rest of the table. While looking at the table, the pounding on the door subsided. Watching the figures and the table, I allowed myself to release my hold on the door. Slowly, the figures parted. In full view, I grasped the horror presented to me. Someone strapped to a rack. Chains snaked around the wrists and ankles, wearing clothing alike to me. A black hood identical to... An executor hood covered the head with holes for the eyes. The head juddered from side to side and sometimes lifted its head as if it were screaming, but no sound. I took deep gulps of air and it turned and looked directly at me with wide eyes like small saucers. I heard the sordid sounds of tendons and muscles gradually pulling apart as the wheels at the ends of the rack rolled. When I could not take it anymore, popping replaced the tearing of limbs. Blood spilled and strewed like dark red syrup. The hood slipped away. My blood went ice cold and a scream escaped from my throat. The person on the rack had my face. The face was distorted with pain and agony. The mouth opened inhumanly wide, as if free death screams traversing from the soul. The figure's heads unnaturally turned ever so slowly towards me, while the rest of their bodies remained facing the rack. One had a dark, featureless face. The second had one large eye and smiled, revealing its gleaming, sharp teeth. 
third had a white skull with no pupils in the eye sockets, and the fourth had a metallic smooth mask except for two glowing small slits for the eyes. Frozen in horror, I watched a large metal mallet smash the face of the victim on the rack. Eyes bulged open, then fell from their sockets, while the sounds of bones, flesh, and brain crushed, bounced in my head. In unison, they said in a low, monotone voice, Join us and enjoy the pain. In slow motion, arms and hands extended from the figures heading for me. The hands covered in grayish, bluish skin with long, blackened fingernails. I pushed the door to escape, but it would not move. I pushed and pushed again, nothing. I scanned the door for a knob or a latch while keeping an eye on the figures. The door was blank, like a painter's canvas. The hands were getting closer. I was running out of options. I was petrified and so scared that I felt like my soul might jump out and run. I closed my eyes and waited for the end. Suddenly, the door opened. I retreated using my hands and feet until I exited the room. I leaped to my feet and slammed the door shut. Sliding down, I leaned against the door in relief while savoring my escape from unimaginable agony. The door pulsed and started to push. Despite my efforts to keep the door closed by leaning on the door and applying my weight, the door gradually pushed open. Not knowing what to do, I got up and ran. As I retreated down the hall, I felt the feeling of eyes burning my back. I dare not turn to look back, but I knew the figures are in the hallway, staring at their prey, escaping. Time passed as I continued. The doors on both sides of the walls were replaced by stone. I kept going, even though I was about to pass out from exhaustion and fear. I wiped my brow as sweat raced down my back as I continued down the hallway. In the distance, something hung on the sides of the walls, in between the torches and large cavities populated in the floor. Gradually, I reached the objects hanging on the wall. They were mummified heads, left on display and forgotten. They were mounted to metallic small square boards attached to the wall. They had blank and expressionless looks to them, but at the same time their eyes seemed to follow me. Beneath the heads were rectangular grates, one on each side from wall to wall. I approached the grate to the right and stopped at the edge and peered down. Darkness obscured below, but sounds of moaning, muffled screaming and pain reverberated. The grate to the left emitted a glowing yellow light. Peering down, I froze at the ghastly sight. I had to force the bile from bellowing up. The room below had human beings in different states of decomposition hanging from hooks attached to the walls. Some were missing body parts. Others had their chest or skull opened. The air filled with the smells of feces, vomit, and decaying flesh. I choked at the smell. I used the top of my shirt to cover my nose. It made no difference. The odors were ever-present. Each of them was now looking up and pointed at me. 
I jumped back and walked back down into the hallway to escape their gape, trying to decide what to do next. Behind me, I heard in the distance, a heavy door swung open, followed by heavy footsteps. I turned and struggled to see the source. Nothing appeared, but something from deep down told me to leave. Immediately. Once again, I turned to face the grate and noticed additional grates planted beyond the two closest and going off down the hallway as far as I can see. In the middle, a thin line of stone separated the grates. I decided to use it to traverse. Slothfully, I started to walk the path. Abruptly, a loud, agonizing scream erupted from one of the grates. I lost my balance and fell forward. The side of my face struck the surface of the grate hard. The grate buckles beneath me and gives. As I fell and tumbled, the world around me was a sight of light and dark. Then darkness. I emerged from the darkness with a fog floated in my head and my vision blurred. I do not know how much time has elapsed. I placed my hand over the side of my face that contacted the grate. I winced when I touched the growing lump and observed dried blood on my hand. With this souvenir, I'm ready for a photo shoot, I chuckled. As my vision cleared, there were two entryways, one left and one right. The entry on the right illuminated with a purplish-colored pulsing light and fog seeping out. Heat and distant roars emanated from within the thick fog. The second entry was illuminated with a vertical puddle of yellowish-colored water, akin to ripples in a pool of water after a stone falls into it. Waves of stale air and a howling wind originated from the portal. Undecided, I did not know which path to take. Behind me, a dead end. I observed no entrance, door, or hole to explain how I arrived at my present location. Unexpectedly, my cell phone rings. I jumped, retrieved the phone from my pants pocket, and tentatively, I lifted the phone to my ear. Hello? I said, nervously. In a low, almost growling, scratching voice, someone or something replied, I dropped the phone. Without much thought and fright, I spun around and ran into the yellowish puddle of light. As I passed through the barrier, the feeling of electricity raced down my back, and my body felt like being burned. I emerged on the other side, screaming, but whole and without injury. I wanted to let out a huge breath of relief, but decided against it. I looked ahead and saw a circular room with a large wooden door on the opposite side. Strange, undecipherable writing was inscribed in the door. In the center of the room, a large hole going down. To the right, a stone staircase descended downward. From my advantage point, the staircase disappeared into the darkness, but the light from a distant source shimmered. Imagine the room shaped like the letter Q. I advanced to the short wall that lay before me and peeked over. Looking down, there were multiple levels descending downward to a point I could not see more. All the levels were constructed the same as the present level. Coming from below, the familiar sounds of civilization bawled. I felt myself getting excited. Dreams of escape entered my mind. As thoughts of rejoining the world gambled in my mind, heavy footsteps echoed. I could not discern the location. I thought it came from below. Fear slithered and smothered hope. Choosing not to go further, 
I turned to go back through the barrier, but instead of the portal, a wall replaced the barrier. Desperate, I went to the wall and touched and pushed as if this would force the barrier to appear. No avail. I turned and headed to the staircase. As time passed, dread and hopelessness were my constant companions as I descended further down without getting closer to the source. Perceiving this notepad and writing instrument left by a poor soul and wanted to jot down my adventure. In closing, I sincerely hope you and I will find each other and bring solace to each other from the despair, dishearten, and loneliness. Perhaps, one day, you or we will find an escape from the shadows, pain, and trepidation to the world of the sun, people, and hope. If we do not meet and you do escape, remember this. Don't walk over a grate. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can get lots of bonus episodes on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash scary to sleep. And for as little as a dollar, you can get access to all the bonus content, just like Kayla Albert. Thank you so much, Kayla, sending you big warm hugs or a big warm handshake if you're not into hugs. If you have a story, true or fictional, just send it to scarytosleep at gmail.com. Just let me know which of those categories it falls under. I'm actually pretty organized and I have a folder for each in my Gmail. So take that, all my teachers who said I'm disorganized. Uh, Follow the show on all the social medias. Remember to rate and review all of your favorite podcasts. Give them a little holiday cheer. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories if you're brave enough. (laughs) 